Our reading this morning is taken from the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, reading from verse 10. Um, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, reading from verse 10. He died for us, whether we're awake or asleep, so that we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Brilliant. Thanks, Philip. Uh, It's my first time preaching at a BH morning service, uh, so it's very uh, exciting uh, to be here preaching and to see all your lovely faces this morning as well. Uh, Let's pray as we start. Father, we pray that you would be speaking to us what you want us to hear this morning. Pray that you'd be challenging us, changing us, and equipping us for the week ahead. Amen. I wonder, have you ever felt like you were absolutely carrying a team? Maybe you were doing a group project at university or college or school, and no one seemed to be contributing apart from you. Maybe you were sharing a flat with housemates or living with your family and you were quite clearly the only person who was doing the washing up and taking the bins out. Maybe you are quite clearly the most talented member of your sports team and you're frequently let down by your teammates. You see examples of people carrying teams a lot, don't you? Sometimes you see it in sport where a country with a small population produces one or two players beyond the standard of their national team. They spend their entire season playing with players on the level of Barcelona, Bayern Munich or Arsenal, and then they go play for their country, with players clearly not at their level. Or you see it in the world of fiction. If you're a Harry Potter fan like me, and you've read all the books and watched the films, you may think, isn't Hermione doing all the work here? Isn't she solving all the problems and working everything out months before Harry and Ron? She's carrying this operation. Or sometimes you see it in music. I'm of the opinion that Harry Styles was quite clearly carrying One Direction. He was clearly the most talented musician out there, as his solo career has proven. Well, we're going to start by asking a question that might seem a bit harsh. But it is an important question. Have you ever felt like that in the church? Have you ever felt like you were carrying a team in the church? Now obviously don't shout out or name names, but are there times where it feels like you've been carrying a team in the church? Where you've been leading something and no one has been prepared to help out or even thank you for the work you're doing? No one is prepared to muck in or give you a hand. It feels like you're doing it all yourself. Or maybe a harder question to answer is, 
Have you ever felt on the opposite side of that? Have you ever felt apathetic or unmotivated about a particular service or ministry in the church and considered whether you're working hard to serve the Lord? Well, I hope it reassures you when I say that I work for a church and even I felt like that regularly. I guess some of us are naturally kind of busybody, hard workers, and some of us are more kind of uh, uh, more passive, uh, helper-outer followers. And maybe some of us are like me, where you're sort of in between and alternate between the two. Well, hopefully, what we hear today from 1 Thessalonians will encourage all of us to be working hard for the glory of God and encouraging those who find that difficult. Well, I was at Goldstone last week and I didn't hear Phil's sermon live, but I believe we were hearing about the end of the world. It's a recurring theme in 1 Thessalonians. But you may be thinking, what has hard work got to do with the end of the world? Good question. But I think it's answered in the chapter, in verses 10 to 11. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The truth and knowledge of the salvation and forgiveness of God's people through Christ on the day of judgment and the fact that Jesus is returning should inspire and help the church in Thessalonica to encourage and build each other up. And verses 12 to 15 are examples of the ways that we can do that as members of God's people. So our points today are all going to be ways in which we can encourage each other and build each other up as a church. So our first point. Firstly, acknowledge and appreciate. Verse 12. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. It's amazing the power a thank you can have, isn't it? I remember when I was in university and I was helping run a missions week, an events week, an evangelistic week at the University of Kent in my second year. There was one day in that week where I was asked to do a lot. I had a lot kind of thrown at me at the last minute. It felt like I'd been dragged from one thing to the next, that I'd been thrown under the bus by the guys that were running the week at a time when I had a lot of coursework going on. It probably wasn't that bad in hindsight, but it felt like a massive struggle at the time. I got home after a long day. I woke up the next morning to see a message from our UCCF staff worker, Chris. It said this, You were such a legend yesterday, big man. He's Northern Irish. So much so, I'm throwing this picture in my prayer letter. I can't tell you the difference that made to my day as I woke up early and irritable on a Wednesday morning. A true encouraging thank you can go a long, long way, can't it? In all Christian contexts, whether that's a Christian union, a small group, a church 2,000 years ago in Thessalonica, or a church in 21st century Hope, it is our Christian duty to be acknowledging those leading and working hearts. 
those shouldering big responsibility in the church and leading in different ways. Those working as servant leaders, as Christ was in Mark 10:45. Those working hard for the gospel. We should be thanking those who take on greater responsibility in the church, who work hard, our leaders in all different contexts. Whether that's our clergy, Phil and Ben, who work so, so hard, our staff, our small group leaders, our children's leaders, our PCC, our standing committee, our wardens, our preachers. We should be thanking them and acknowledging them regularly in a healthy and balanced way. We should be holding them in the highest regard, but not falling in to worshipping them. There have been many shocking stories that have come out lately about churches where the leaders were held in almost too high regard, were put almost on the level of God. Be careful not to fall into that trap, but properly acknowledge them for the work that they do. Don't treat them as dispensable when the next guy comes along. But treat them with true respect. So that the church would harmoniously work together in an environment that people feel encouraged to serve in. You see, this attitude of gratitude doesn't just serve the leaders in the church. But it helps the wider church as well. The ideal Christian environment would be all of us serving together, helping each other out in the work of the gospel. The work should be spread out. The leaders should feel like they have many willing servants to help them out and that they don't have to take on all the responsibility themselves. We should all be working hard for the glory of God and caring for those around us in the church, remembering to show gratitude to those clearly working hard as leaders. That isn't always the case, is it? There's that old saying in the church that 20% of the people often do 80% of the work. But these verses are a reminder that if we're in church, we should be serving in the church. That's why it's called a church service. Whether that's up the front, at the back, Round the sides, cleaning, maintenance, tech, pastoral work, missions work, kids work, setting up, setting down, serving coffee. Remember when we could do that? These verses are a call to serve and to make sure that we are showing gratitude to those in the church family who are leading. You see, Paul is concerned with how the leaders in the new churches are being treated, how they're being thanked. He wants to highlight the importance of this, both to the church in Rome, in Romans 12, as he does, and in 1 Thessalonians, here, to the church in Thessalonica. It is important for the good of the church to be thanking and acknowledging those working hearts. When I was reflecting on this verse, I was considering my own attitude for gratitude among the church, how often I thank leaders myself, I think the sad truth for me is that when I'm in a good mood, I thank everyone. But when I'm not in a good mood, I leave church without so much as speaking to anyone who served in the service. I think I'm sometimes good, sometimes 
not so much. Thankfully, I know from experience that there are plenty of people in Bishop Hannington who are brilliant at thanking people. Whenever I've served in any way or written a thought for the day or a bulletin, I'm often uh, greeted with texts or emails from people saying uh, thank you and acknowledging me for it. I think BH is a particularly gifted church in this area. We do hold in high regard our leaders and those who work hard in the church, as verse 13 says we should. We're great at showing gratitude to those leaders, to those who care for us in the Lord. See that last attribute in verse 12 that we're to acknowledge and thank people for? We're to thank those who work hard. Yeah, that's easy. Thank those who care for us. Natural. But we're also to thank those who admonish us. Do we do that? Do we thank those who admonish us? It feels like common sense to thank those who work hard, who lead, who shoulder the weight for the church, who care for us. But those who warn us, who rebuke us, who admonish us, if we're going astray, that's not easy, is it? Isn't our natural reaction when we're admonished to go on the defensive, to tell them where to go, to give them one, if not both, barrels? How can we thank those people who admonish us? Well, the answer is in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. You see, there is a good and righteous way to admonish someone and a good and righteous way to respond to it. It is our duty to admonish those causing division and grumbling too much in the church. But as one commentator says, ancient opinion was that correction by others was profitable for a person's well-being. You see, an admonishment from a leader to a brother or sister in Christ should not be given out of a harsh desire to shame or tear them down. It should be given out of love and patience and a desire to help them and build up their well-being and character. I think, sadly, I've had a few instances in my church life and my work life where it feels like people have brashly or harshly or aggressively said to me, come on, pull your finger out, mate. Aren't you going to help out? That is not how we should admonish. You see, it would be easy to almost read this passage as almost a message of special preference for those hardworking, busybody leaders in the church and a message of shame to those who work hard, who find it hard to serve in the church. We could read this as almost an attempt to turn the church into a divisive, competitive, corporate workplace environment of who's working hardest, where some are barking at others to work harder and others are barking back. You're trying too hard. That is not the case at all. We should be encouraging, urging people to work hard for the gospel. That is how we should admonish. We should be upholding them, encouraging them to not be idle or disheartened. 
out of a desire to strengthen and uphold them. And that is our second point this morning. Urge and uphold. Acknowledge and appreciate and urge and uphold. I'm not sure what the culture in Thessalonica was like in caring for the weak and timid among a certain group. I know from my studies in ancient Greek philosophy that there were Platonist philosophers who advocated almost a survival of the fittest attitude among the world, almost a eugenics attitude of focusing on the strongest in a group and ignoring the weak and the vulnerable. But Paul here speaks to the church with the message of Jesus Christ about caring for the hungry, for the naked, for the sick, in Matthew 25, 44-45. We're to be patient with those going through tough times. We're to be caring for those who, may find it, who we may find it tough to deal with. We're to provide them with good pastoral care. To encourage them to be working hard. To not be causing division in the church. To understand the joy of knowing that we are children of God who will be shown to be his when he comes again, to uphold them in their struggles and weaknesses. This is a message of encouragement to us all. This is a message for those who are leading and working hard to be encouraged with thankful love for their service. And a message for those not getting involved as much to be receiving patient, loving and helpful encouragement from those around them in their church family. So that we can all live together in peace and harmony with one another as a body. And that those who are idle may realise why it is important to be working hard in the church. We are hard at work in the church because our work is of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That is the work we are challenged with. That is the most important work in the world. That is the labour for which we strive. That is a work that we need to be committed to in the church. That is what should drive us each day to work hard. So if you're finding yourself slipping into apathy about that, or you're finding yourself becoming idle, be encouraged to be working hard. And if you're one of those people who thinks they are working hard, thank you. But make sure you are working for the right reasons. And make sure you are keeping an eye out for those who look less motivated. And encourage them to get involved. I need reminding of this as much as any. I would say I'm very much a procrastinator by nature, I'm generally very happy with doing the bare minimum. I often am quite idle. I know the image of me as a church voluntary staff worker is one of being someone who's always willing to volunteer, running from place to place and task to task. But I often find it very hard to find the right motivation for doing those things. If I'm honest, I find hard work in the church or elsewhere something that scares and frightens me much more than it motivates and excites me. But when I'm reminded 
of the goal beyond my work, of the purpose beyond it, the goal to bring the gospel of Christ to the world, to support and build up the church, I am refocused, that I'm not doing what I'm doing to make myself feel better about how efficient and capable I am, but I'm striving to serve God in a way that honours and serves his people and honours and serves him and does good for Bishop Hannington Church and any church I may be with in the future and helps us to be working together as a body of Christ in peace while striving to serve. And that leads us to our final point this morning. Thirdly, strive and sign up. I'm going to leave whatever's on there there because the screen is showing at the back showing something different to those screens. But thirdly, strive and sign up. Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I wonder what comes to mind when you hear the word striving. I think of a challenge. I think of hard work. I think of a struggle. I think of the England football team striving over the last month to win the Euros And we saw how exhausted those boys were after the match against Italy. It can be a challenge to strive to do good for God in the church. We've seen in 1 Thessalonians so far that the church there had been persecuted, had been tormented, had suffered under real struggle. But Paul's letters to them in 1 and 2 Thessalonians reminded them of their purpose. And it reminds us of ours too. Our purpose is to strive to serve God in the face of suffering. To keep faithful to God and work hard in the face of the temptation to give up. To glorify God in what we do. To serve together as a church that helps achieve its purpose. To be better at glorifying God and doing good for each other and everyone else. To support each other to show love to each other, to help each other out so that we're equipped to go out into the world and work for the gospel wherever we're stationed. To help each other, to live together in peace as a church so that we would be distinctive in the world. You see, the Thessalonian world was one of vengeance and retribution. It was an eye for an eye attitude. Not so the church. Paul says here we're to repay bad with good. We're to love our enemies. We're to turn the other cheek. We're not to take an eye for an eye. We're to follow the teachings of Christ. We are to show love to our oppressors and remain unified among ourselves in the face of opposition. We're to always strive to do good for each other and help each other out in love. That may be just by acknowledging and saying thank you. That may be by taking a huge task that someone who's working far too hard is struggling with off their hands and taking it on yourself. There are so many ways that we can help to do good for each other as a church and for the world around us. But why not start 
nearer to home. Why not start today? I'm sure as we all know, tomorrow is opening up day, 19th of July, the day we've all been waiting for for about a year and a half as things begin to open up. Which ministries do you think you could get involved in to help further the gospel? What could you do to work hard for the church? How could you thank, support, uphold and encourage those who are burnt out serving for the gospel? How can you strive more for the glory of God each day? What could you sign up to to serve Bishop Pannington, to help serve God? Which ministries could you look at that you're serving in now and think maybe I need to take a step back from that? How could you be working hard day to day to make a difference for our church, our community and our wider world for the gospel? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for your church here at Bishop Huntington. We thank you that we thank each other. We pray that we would be better each day at acknowledging and thanking each other, thanking those serving, urging and upholding those who are struggling in our church, caring for those at their weakest. And we pray we'd be working hard each day, no matter what we're doing in our lives to serve you and serve your gospel for the good of the world and your glory. Amen.